0: My God, I just want to come before you, and uh, again, I want to ask that you not just help us grasp the meaning of those words, um, but to feel the force of them. Uh, God, to experience uh, the victory uh, that, that Paul expresses in this chapter. I love you so much for what you've done in every one of our lives, for bringing us together as a family and as a body. And God, I pray that Romans 8 would be fleshed out in our singing and our prayers and everything that we are. I pray that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, would be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord our rock and our redeemer in christ 's name amen um, billy 's thoughts this morning uh, meant a whole lot to me, um, not just because of how well the the poems were worded, um, but because of um, the heart that it came from um, to to put that kind of thought and that kind of feeling and that kind of um, reverence, you know, um, in the Lord's Supper and what it meant to him. It means so much to me. Um, and I'm not saying this to honor Billy, even though it does honor Billy. But I've shared with you before that when I first came here uh, to Meadowlark, I remember my very first Sunday morning that I was going to preach a sermon in this church. And I got up here super, super early and I wanted to pray. And someone had beaten me here. And they were already sitting right here praying over the worship service. And that's when I said, this is a man that I am going to really like. Um, And I saw the heart. And as I got to know Billy, I found out that that came from a place of desperation. Um, How low that I've been with Billy and seen the things that we've seen together, gone through together. And that's where your song comes from. That's where your praise comes from. And that has everything to do with the message today. Yesterday, I uh, I was in Gillette, Wyoming last night. And that's way north, Wyoming. And uh, I was up there for a youth conference. And uh, they had youth groups from Casper and uh, Cheyenne and, and Lander everywhere. And uh, it was really funny. I was making fun of them because, um, you know, of course, our, our T-shirts were camouflage. And uh, between the... the Bible trivia. They were putting up scopes and and um, and asking what gun that belonged to, and everybody knew the answer. <laughs> and I was thinking, I am so uneducated. Um, and I was kind of making. I was like, Well, this is a different environment. This is a different culture. But it was so awesome. We had such a good experience. But the reason I share it with you is because last night uh, when I was heading home, uh, I was leaving. Um, we were in this um, big event center that was there, and we were, I, was, I was walking out the doors. It was snowing, and I was like, I've got to get on the road. I've got to get back home. And there was this man that was outside in the snow, and he had one of these long beards, and he had tattoos all over him. And I don't judge people, but I do. And, and, I, and, and, and he was scowling at me. Like the, the, I felt like he was scowling at me. It was one of those things where you're like, I'm not sure if he likes me. I, I, you know, when we were at the rally, and, and when I walked out, he said, can I talk to you for a second? And I was about to get in my car to come home. And he just said, I want to give you a hug. And he gave me a hug last night. His name's Dustin. He says, I was baptized a year ago today. And he said, um, um, I want you to know I lost my dad a year ago. And I lost the job my dad got me. And I lost the tip. And he showed me I lost the tip of my finger, too. And he goes, I lost everything. And my life was brought to ruins. And God rescued me. And you don't sing a song of worship like that until you've been brought to a place of desperation like that. And that's why Romans 7 is so crucial, and Carrie and I were just talking about it at the end of the class. Romans 7 brings you to this place where Paul is like, this is the reality, not just, and this is the crazy thing, it's written in present tense, this is not just the reality of who I was, Saul, before God changed my name to Paul, this is the reality of a struggle that goes on within my gut, this is the sick side of me, and I didn't experience God's deliverance on a particular date in history back in time when Jeff became a Christian. I experienced God's deliverance today. It's a victory I live in every single day because I constantly have a body that goes this direction, controlled by the law, and every minute I've got to remind myself, but by God's grace, I am what I am. He says, he says this in Galatians two, I've been crucified. And this is kind of where Gary was going in his class, which was awesome because you completely covered everything, but it was awesome. And he says this in Galatians two, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me. And in and, and the life I now live in the flesh, I, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But then he says this, I don't set aside the grace of God. Because if righteousness came to the law, then Christ died in vain. I don't set aside the grace of God for a moment in my life. I am daily in need of it. I'm desperate for this. This is where the Romans are at. Um, in, in, and this is just a little bit of history, and we talked about it at the beginning. In AD 49, Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome, leaving just a Gentile congregation in Rome. In AD 54, The Jews return to Rome, and Romans is written just a few short years later. And so you have a church in which it's it's these Gentiles that have have enjoyed a church where it's them, and they're celebrating the grace of God, but they have persecution coming from Rome. And now the Jews have come in, and they have persecution coming from even some of their own brothers and sisters. And Paul introduces a third level of persecution that he experiences in his life, which is bigger than all of these. The persecution that comes from inside of me. With my own voices in my own head constantly telling me, what a failure. Everything. And also hearing the grace of God in his life. Um, the victory that he experiences. I need you to advance my slide. I give up on you. Oh, you can't do it either. That makes me feel better. That's okay. I don't need my slides. Um, but what's what's happening in the church here is i'm just going to go through this list the jews would make these boasts these are the, this is the claims that the jews would make we are the people of god and that's true we were given the covenant of circumcision that's true We are the children of Abraham. We were entrusted with the law. We are Israel. We have the temple. Jerusalem is the light of the world. Now catch what Paul does. These are all taken from the book of Romans. Paul says this, A man is not a Jew if he is one outwardly. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. Again, he says circumcision is not merely outward and physical. No, circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Abraham's the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised. The Gentiles show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. And he goes through each of the things that would identify as a Jew. And he would say, by grace, I adopted you as my son. And now by grace, I have adopted your brother and I need you to love one another. You are equal at the foot of the cross of Christ and you are Israel. Together, you are children of Abraham. Together, you are one. And I need you to honor one another and serve one another. And that's why he went into the language that we were talking about in Gary's class this morning. Don't be, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. I love what he says. But be sober. He says, if you think more highly of yourself than you ought, you're drunk. That's what he's saying. If you're thinking more highly of yourself than you are, you are just not thinking sober. You don't get it. Okay, humility is not just putting yourself in a false state of mind. Humility is an accurate state of mind. It's seeing yourself soberly. And he goes on and he just keeps saying, don't be conceited. Don't be proud. Don't get caught up in yourself, but show show love to one another and honor one another above yourselves. But these are the verses he's going to close with. And this is the powerful conclusion of, 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 of the angst that you felt in chapter 7 of this battle. He concludes chapter 7 by saying, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? And then he says, and I mean, I wish I could hear Paul saying these words after everything Paul had been through. Praise be to God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Praise be to God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. I am what I am. And then he's going to close the chapter by saying this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And keep in mind, these are the realities this is exactly what they would be facing. God was not going to keep them from any of this. In fact, He promised them all of this. This is what they would pass through. But nothing's going to separate you from my love as it's written for your sake. We are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. What's crazy is the psalm that that's taken from by the sons of Korah. That psalm is all about God. Are you with us or are you against us? That, that's the whole theme of the psalm. Are you here? And you're going somebody's going to have to correct me. I'm going to make a really ill-educated guess. I think that's Psalm 44, but somebody might have to check that for me. Is it, are you with me or are you against me is the message of that psalm. Uh, where are you, God, right? And he goes on and he says this. Right, next slide. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, the message that he says here, and, and I, I couldn't believe this. I was just, I hope this means the same thing to you that it meant to me. But I, sa- I found the parallel passage to Romans 8 in the Old Testament. Um, it says almost the identical thing, um, and it's in Isaiah. And I'm just going to read a few verses from this. And I want you to hear the same message um, from Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 50. It says this beginning in verse 6. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheek to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking or spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. He Who then will bring a charge against me? Let us face each other. Who's my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is it he that will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. That's the coolest thing to say ever about somebody. The them up. But did you hear the parallel? What's happening here? Isaiah is saying, who is going to stand against me? Who is going to condemn me? And you see the same conviction that Joshua and Caleb had when they went into the land. And you have the Hittites and the Girgashite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite. And these nations full of giants that stand against them. And they said, we will devour them because God is with us. God stands at my side. He is at my side no matter what I am going through. when you hear this list of everything that Paul just mentioned. Death. Life. He starts with the big ones. Death. Life. Angels. Rulers. Things present. This is the big one for me. This is my current circumstances. And then there's the I'm not knowing what's ahead. Things to come. Nor power. Nor height. Nor depth. No matter what I'm going through. My God stands at my side. And I have this image in my mind, the most powerful story in the book of John, where this woman is dragged to Jesus' feet. Dragged to his feet because she's an adulteress. And she's deserving of death. And the law condemns her. And the rulers condemn her. And her sin condemns her. And I promise you, her mind condemns her. And she's dragged to Jesus' feet. And remember what he does. They're in the temple courts and he starts to draw on the dust. And when we were in the book of John, we discovered something together. And that's that in Numbers 5, according to the law of jealousy, that if a woman was caught in adultery, she was dragged to the temple courts and you would take the dust from the ground. And she was caused to drink the dust from the ground. And it was as though God knows what's really happened to this woman's heart. What's really happened to her life. And that would be what judged her. And I promise you that's got to be why Jesus immediately draws everyone's attention to the dust. And I can see him just making eye contact. Looking at every single one of them saying, I know your heart. And I know her heart. And we know where we stand right now, right? But then he asks her a question after everybody leaves. Do you remember what he asks her? Who condemns you? Who are your condemners? Where are they? No one, Lord. And she stands, he stands at her side. Neither do I condemn you. Because I am at your side. I promise you that that woman walked off. We don't know the rest of the story. But that would give her power to leave a life that had enslaved her. That would give her the power to worship God. And to be what God called her to be. It's it's the same thing that Paul felt in Acts 27. It's the coolest thing where their ship is falling apart. They're floating on pieces of wood out in the ocean. Everyone is saying we're doomed. And these are some statements Paul made. He said this, Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God, whom I, whose I am, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And so he says to everyone, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Why? Because my God is with me and I know, I know that there is nothing that we're going to face. Um, There's nothing that we're going to face that will separate us from his love. Um, This is such a powerful conclusion to the chapter for me. Um, it's such an incredibly powerful conclusion for me because it tells me this. I look at life and I can't promise you, and obviously we, we know this. We've gone through it together, that we're not going to face pain, cancer, death, loss, divorce, broken hearts. We're going to face things, things together. And man, in the last seven years I've been here, man, we have faced this. We've gone through this. And I know what that is. And just the comfort of of God saying this. I'm not causing everything to work together for your good. He says this. In everything, I am working for your good. No matter what you go through. And not one thing you're going to face in your family or in your life or in your death. Is going to separate you from the fact that I love you and I am for you. I am on your side. And to me, man, I'm not Joshua. I don't go through what Joshua went through. I don't go through what Isaiah went through. I don't even go through what what this woman that was caught in adultery went through. I I can't identify with some of those, but I know this. Man, God has carried me through so much, and it's given me reason to praise. And I want to close by quoting a song that just means the world to uh, to me. And I'm going to mess up quoting the song because I don't have the words in front of me, but I'm going to try but it's be with me, Lord. And I just want you to hear the lyrics to that song and reflect on what Paul just said. Be with me, Lord. I cannot live without you. I dare not try to take one step alone. A constant sense of your abiding presence where I am, Lord, just a sense that you're near. Be with me, Lord. Then if dangers threaten, if... Storms of trial burst all around my head. If lashing seas are everywhere about me, they won't harm me or make my heart afraid. And what I love is the final verse. It's so powerful. It's so effective. He says this, Be with me, Lord, in the hour of my departure for worlds unknown. Lord, be with me then. In just the sense that even in that hour, my God stands beside me and calls me out of the tomb and says, I was with you every step of the way. Um, that is the most comforting thought, and that is what carried Paul, and I pray that it carries you too. Uh, my God, I just want to come before you, and I lift up um, lives that read together Romans 8, have experienced together the victory. I lift up to you, Dustin, the young man last night that I talked to and prayed with. I, I pray, God, that um, that the songs that we sing, like I said, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart, I pray that everything we lift up before you won't simply become, come from a um, a conviction that it's true, but also from an experience of what you've done in us and for us. Um, I praise you so much for what you have done in the lives in here, but God, more importantly, and for what you have promised to do, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and no matter what, God, you're on our side. I love you so much for that hope and that conviction. It's in Christ's, amen. Let's stand and worship our God.